What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, and today to discuss a bunch of trade stuff happening, mostly just rumors, but rumors are fun. Uh, I'm joined by Chris Grenham. A bunch of different reports came out today. Sham uh, of The Athletic. That was, I think, the, the, probably the biggest one that the Celtics are interested in John Collins. However, the price is steep, according to, according to Shams. Shams, Shams, I still don't know. Shams? I've always said Shams, but I don't know if it's right. <laughs> no well, idea. according to one of the two major newsbreakers in the <laughs> world, um, the price for Collins is steep, and the Celtics are more likely to target somebody like Harrison Barnes, of the, uh, obviously of the Kings. Overall impressions of that, Granham, uh, what do you think about those two uh, reports? Collins has long been tied, I feel like, to the Celtics with interest, and it'd be foolish different, but kind of similar to the Jeremy Grant type stuff. Like it makes sense that they're interested in him, right? He fits their timeline and he is basically like, he's just what they need. He'd be terrific. He can stress the floor really nicely. Super, super talented player. That being said, like he's going to get paid a lot down the road. And he's someone who turned out about $90 million in the off season. The Celtics, I think pay $90 million to Tatum, Jalen and, and Kemba alone. So like, do they really want to cough that up for one other Guy down the road, probably not. So from a financial standpoint, long-term, I just don't think John Collins makes a whole lot of sense. Even if they were to trade for him this year, like what would they have to give up? They give up a couple first rounders and the Celtics young guys, like it mentioned in the athletics report, like the Celtics young guys don't really have a whole lot of value at this point. Like is Neesmith going to get it done with a couple weeks? Probably not. I don't think so. I mean, Pritchard, probably not. So I don't really know what that package would look like, but I just, I don't really see that happening. I mean, we've long talked about Harrison Barnes. I just think it's a much more realistic option who also fits the needs of the Celtics at the moment. And I think he provides kind of a longer term solution for them than a lot of the guys on the market, at least. I think a couple of things about Collins, he's 23, he'll turn 24 in September. So he's right on that Celtics timeline, right? Like all those young guys. It depends on what the Celtics would be would be giving up for him. And I think this is kind of where it comes down to like the, you know, what the Hawks are demanding and the price being steep. Like, are the Hawks demanding Marcus Smart? And I feel like that's in most Celtics rumors. I feel like when when people say like the pro but the price is steep, it what it means is this team asked for Marcus. The Celtics said, How about this instead? <laughs> the team was like, no, thank you. And then talks came to an impasse. Like, I don't know that that's yeah. what happened, but it feels like a fairly logical, you know, kind of leap to go there. So I have a hard time seeing Collins happening too. It is too bad. I mean, it, like you said, I think he's really good for, uh, you know, what the Celtics would be looking for, um, you know, shooting 37% from threes, like a really good free throw shooter. So I think that could even go up plenty of points, plenty of rebounds per game, not like an incredible defender, but like we'll put him in the Celtics system and be interesting to see what he could do. Um, Cause he is, you know, very mobile, very, very quick. I think there would be some, some potential there. I think the sad thing about Collins is that that's really what it comes down to. It's just like, yeah, he would make a lot of sense. It's too bad that that probably won't be able to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess you could put forth a scenario where you're looking at them, maybe 
moving Kemba Walker down the road to try and free up some long-term flexibility. But like, I don't think he's that tradable right now. And maybe that changes down the road, but in my brain, that isn't the sharpest when it comes to deep salary cap stuff. Like I feel like that would be the move to try to free up some flexibility there. If you were to go after Collins and I just don't think Kemba Walker is the most tradable guy at the moment with his contract and just where his value stands. You really would solve a lot of the issues. If you could build like a, you know, a trade package for Collins around, Kemba, like I'm not, I'm not yeah. actually sure what Atlanta's, uh, they probably don't have the, the cap space for that, but yeah, I mean that, that would obviously solve a lot of problems, but like at that point, it almost feels like the Celtics would have to give up more because the Hawks just don't have any use for Kemba. Like exactly. You're not trading for, I mean, so maybe if it was like a three team deal and you involved somebody else, but then again, you'd have to find somebody who wants Kemba right now. And like Kemba has really come on strong. I actually think he probably has more value for the Celtics than he does for a lot of teams right now, because a lot of teams have point guards. A lot of teams just kind of don't want to take a chance on a 30 year old who's been kind of bulky, but Kemba has really come on strong recently. And I think that there's been some kind of signs of life from the Celtics when he's in the game. So I I just kind of, I have a hard time seeing that happen. Do you you have anything else on Collins or or do you want to move on to Harrison Barnes here? No, let's move to Barnes. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm curious. What do you think of that? Do do you like, is this just kind of more of the same on Barnes in your opinion? Like where do you kind of stand there? I think it's kind of more of the same. I mean, he just, he does make a ton of sense for where they are in terms of needs right now. And the Kings latest stretch has really helped them out. Like they went through it brutal. I, I feel like we've hit on this on prior podcasts, but when we were at the height of like the initial Harrison Barnes chatter, it was like, well, they, they're like teetering on, you know, maybe that plan spot in the Western Conference. So I don't think they're going to be selling, especially Harrison Barnes, who's been at the core of their success. And then they went and lost like 11 straight and kind of fell off. So I don't know. I mean, I'm most curious about the Harrison Barnes sweepstakes, I guess you could call it at this point, as to what Sacramento is really looking for. What is Monty McNair going to ask for? Because I could see that asking price being pretty high too. Like he has been pretty solid for them more so in the beginning of the year, but I don't know. I'm I'm not sold that it's as easy as people are making it seem because in the way it was kind of structured in the athletics report and various other ones, it's like, well, they can always just fall back on Harrison Barnes. Like great, great options. Like I don't necessarily think it's going to be that easy to get him. I do think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, what do you think it would take to go get a guy like that where as you know, where the Kings stand right now? Well, I guess the question is like, who do we think the other suitors are for yeah. Barnes? And it's not that I don't think there are others, but it's like, I'm not sure how many teams can be buyers the way the Celtics can with the traded player exception yeah. who kind of like, like, like make a lot of sense for him. I, and I think, mm-hmm. I, I think that, I think for Barnes, you're probably, I, I don't think there's any question that Marcus Smart would, would stay in town, you know, and like Kemba Walker, obviously I, I think the same thing. So at that point, you know, you're probably talking about, you know, are the Kings cause, cause Harrison Barnes is not going to bring the Kings back like a lottery pick anyway. Right. Like that's just not going to be the case. So if the Celtics are willing to part with their first round pick and like Romeo Langford or Aaron Neesmith and, you know, maybe like, or maybe even like a Romeo and Grant or like a Neesmith and Grant or something like that. Just like a few young pieces that the Kings can take a shot on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might make some sense for them. Like they're going to be sellers. They're not making the playoffs. This is like their, their whole situation feels like it's, it's going to, it's falling apart here. So to me, it, it feels like the Kings are going to demand a lot. Like I'm sure they're, yeah. you know, I'm sure that what they're putting out there right now is, uh, you know, give us two first round picks completely unprotected or you're not touching Harrison Barnes. I don't know how rock solid that's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his numbers are good. I, I always go back also to Bielitsa when I'm talking about the Kings. I know we're going to go through a couple targets here, but just on the Kings note, like talk about a guy who kind of serves as maybe like a secondary option. If you're looking 
toward another roster. Like he does make a decent amount of sense and the Kings aren't going to say yes to this, but like perfect equation in my world is you ship Tristan Thompson and get Bielitsa back. He's not a long-term fix by any means, but he could provide some help for the time being and a more minor move where if what Danny Ainge has said in the past, they maybe don't want to dip into that trade exception right now. I think he would make a lot of sense. I don't know. What what are your thoughts on him? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean, he's an interesting, he's an interesting piece because I think schematically he makes a lot of sense. And as that floor spacer and then he's, he's not just a floor spacer either. It's not just that he's like, he's a really good shooter. And so he definitely makes some sense. I I do, you know, when you say that he's not a long-term fix, I think that's exactly right. And I think that's part of the problem with it because I actually Harrison Barnes makes some sense as a long-term fix. Like he's only 29, like he's pretty young still. And I think his skill set should probably translate pretty well. I mean, he, like, like down the line, he's probably just a three and D guy. Like right now he can yeah. take guys off the dribble a little bit and do some stuff there. But like, I could see him like at 32 being like a perfectly reasonable three and D guy. He's very tall. He's got, you know, good size and everything. We've talked about waiting until the off season to use the TPE, but if you can get Harrison Barnes now, get him for the playoff run right. and then build around that core. You get him for um, two more years. Right. Barnes makes quite a bit of money. And like if down the line you needed a salary to match and there was a way exactly. to uh, go get a Bradley Beal. Like I think that th- those are the types of conversations you need to be having. So it actually does benefit you to have a couple of big contracts on the roster. 100%. You get that 18 million to $20 million range over the next two years nice tradable piece there. I mean, I don't know. I think it makes sense on a lot of, on a lot of levels. And I've long been in the camp of there's not a whole lot out there that could help fix this team. Harrison Barnes makes a lot of sense this year and beyond. So he's a guy I would use that trade exception on for sure. If, if he was available. And I think he makes more sense than some of the magic guys. Like, I mean, one, I just don't think Aaron Gordon is that good, quite honestly. And like, you know, you look at like an Evan Fournier or like, you know, Terrence Ross or any of those guys. It's like, I just don't see them as huge needle movers to me. No, and and Aaron Gordon is a guy who is going to have a far higher price tag than Harrison Barnes. And realistically, like, I don't think he moves the needle that much more than Harrison Barnes at this point. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think, I mean, I'm definitely not sold on Terrence Ross, definitely not sold on Evan Fournier for the Celtics. So yeah, I'm with you. I think Harrison Barnes, in my opinion, makes the most sense for a candidate to kind of throw that trade exception at and, and kind of go go after it. I, I think that pretty much sums it up on Barnes. I think we're going to keep hearing his name until either the deadline comes or the Celtics use their TPE on somebody else or the Celtics trade for him. It's going to like, yeah. like he's going to just keep coming up and keep coming up. He just makes so much sense for them. And, and I thought, you know, and obviously like we had Scal on the broadcast, uh, you know, a week ago or whatever saying like, don't listen to the smoke and mirrors. It's just Harrison Barnes. <laughs> I doubt that's like, I mean, the scout might know. It seems like that's probably not the case that the Celtics are just like laser focused on Harrison Barnes. But when, right. when you kind of go through the power rankings of guys who make sense, it really feels like he's ahead above the rest. Yeah. It's hard to go elsewhere, but when you look at start talking about LaMarcus Aldridge, I think Harrison Barnes makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> I, I think it's mostly San Antonio people like talking about the Celtics as a potential LaMarcus Aldridge landing spot. Yeah. And it's just like that he makes so little sense for this team. Like no sense at all. For one thing, he's not good anymore. And for no. another thing, like the Celtics just don't need a big. And so like, who do they Rob Williams? Like, no, you're not like, oh, yeah. What, like, what uh, are we doing here? What are we doing I, here? You you're, you have too many bigs. Like we've ever, that's what we've all been saying. There's too many bigs. You got to probably get rid of one of them. If you can, if you can, if you can move Tristan Thompson, that would be ideal. You're certainly not going to try and add LaMarcus Aldridge after that. Like that just makes no sense. Wild. 
Uh, yeah. Like, honestly, I, I've seen people say like, maybe he makes sense on the buyout market. And there I'm even like, eh. I, but so, so say he does, say, <laughs> say he hits the buyout market. Like, is he going to come into Boston? Want Is he going to look to Boston and say, yeah, I'd love to be the third stringer behind Robert Williams. That makes a ton of sense. I love it. Veteran minimum. I'm coming. Like, no, of course it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, I do always feel like when a guy gets to the stage of his career where he like, he used to be a star and now he's like a buyout candidate and he's looking for somewhere to go. It's like, you haven't, you haven't hit a great part of your career. <laughs> like that's no, like, no, like <laughs> Aldridge the is prime example. Yeah. People, people get excited because you're a big name and like, Oh, he's coming here to do something. It's like, Hey, but like teams did not like, if you're a buyout guy, teams are not making you a priority. Like I was gonna say, there's a reason you're a buyout guy. Yeah, exactly. Very exactly. telling, very telling, but yeah, th- that's just a absurd match that people seem to be talking about. I think it is a lot of San Antonio people. And- That's largely what I've seen. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. So you brought him up uh, on the topic of big men. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported that uh, Tristan Thompson could be headed to uh, Toronto, which is interesting to me. It's not like it wasn't just a report that said, you know, the Celtics are floating Tristan Thompson, you know, seeing if there's any buyers. It was a report that said, oh, Tristan Thompson might get traded to the Toronto Raptors <laughs> from a guy who is very connected uh, with people around Tristan Thompson. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that that's an interesting one. Like if you're the Celtics, I mean, what are you looking to get back for Tristan? Like, do you think they're just kind of like just trying to get off his contract? Like, I, I'm not sure what to make of that one. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, do you go and try to get Baines thrown in and he's your third string bruiser kind of guy? Like, that's the only place that I was th- – because you're not going to get any real nice value in return for Tristan Thompson. That's just not the case. So there's a damn good chance they're just looking to salary dump, which I think could make sense because Robert Williams has definitely made Tristan Thompson expendable from a basketball standpoint. And so if you're looking financially, like he's the guy to move, you, you dump that $9 million or whatever it is off the books. And, again, like I don't think you can go get a Norm Powell – He'd be he'd be a, a nice little addition to the Celtics depth, but you'd have to add something on with Tristan Thompson. And I don't know how willing the Celtics are to do that, but I don't know. It, it would be interesting to see the structure of that deal. It would be interesting. I mean, like, I wonder what it would what they would have to add on to get Norman Powell. Because right. I mean, Norman Powell would immediately become the Celtics seventh best player, sixth best, like He'd be up yeah. there. He'd it's be not that player. hard. It's, it's not that hard. Exactly. And, but I mean, I, again, I think you'd have to look at, I mean, like you definitely have to throw somebody else in there. Um, right. So like, are you willing to like give up on, you know, Neesmith this early on, like for somebody like Powell? Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's like great team building. If you're, if you're just like, okay, here's our lottery pick that we drafted this year and 
haven't had time to play yet. Like that, that feels a little questionable. I mean, I think the Baines thing is, is the one that makes the most sense, but even mm-hmm. there do the, would the Raptors think that like Tristan Thompson is like the answer for them? Yeah, like, I, I yeah. don't really know. And also if you're the Celtics say it is like a salary dump, do you want to give him to like a division opponent like that? Like who clearly is looking for some front court help. They've been tied to Andre Drummond too. Like, I don't know if it makes sense from the Celtics perspective on a, on a couple levels, unless they're getting something back to help their own depth chart. You know what I mean? I just don't know how willing Toronto would be to do that. So, so the way I look at it is I, I think the way it makes sense for both teams is if Toronto likes Tristan Thompson and wants, you yeah. know, wants to add him to their front court depth. And, the, and like you said, the Celtics want Aaron Baines just to throw a Joel Embiid. That actually could kind of work for sure. both teams. You know, I think Baines is on a two-year deal, if I, if I have that right. I think um, he is, yeah. You'd have Baines for another year after that. I mean, who knows how happy Baines would be. I mean, I, I certainly think he likes Boston, but I don't know how happy he would be to to be traded like a couple of months into, you know, like a, a contract that he signed with a new team yeah. uh, just to be the third string center behind Rob Williams. But um, we do know that, you know, the Celtics really appreciated what Baines did for Rob Williams. Like Brad Stevens, like always brings that up whenever you know, whenever Rob is mentioned in a press conference. So, I mean, the Celtics are definitely still high on Baines. I don't know. This is a weird one. I think the other thing I will say about it is if you're the Celtics and you, again, like, I mean, I've, I brought this up a bunch of times, you went out and hard capped yourself to bring in Tristan Thompson. And now if it's just going to be a salary dump, like if you're going to have to like attach like a second round pick or something like that, just to get off his money, that is a tough. tough look. That is a tough look. Obviously easier to play Monday morning quarterback at this point, but that doesn't matter. That is a tough, tough look. It'd be cool for Tristan Thompson to go play in Canada, like go back home. I mean, sure, that's cool. But from the Celtics perspective, I don't fully get it. I'm sure maybe we'll hear more murmurs about this, but right now I don't really understand it from the Celtics perspective all that much. It makes me wonder if like the Celtics just had higher hopes for Thompson guarding Embiid. And like the, yeah. if like the first time they saw it happen, they were just like, oh, oh, oh this is not, not good. <laughs> yeah, this is not good. Also, suddenly Joel Embiid is an MVP caliber player, like we're in some serious trouble. So I think it could be a combination of maybe Embiid playing better than he has in the past and Tristan Thompson not hitting the Celtics expectations. And Robert Williams has been really good. And it's like, we don't necessarily need Tristan as much as we did. And, it, and there weren't a whole lot of options out there when they made the Tristan Thompson signing. Like that was later on in free agency when they kind of had to wait around. So either way, I agree. That would be a tough look if it ends up being a salary dump. Just looking at some stats here from land of basketball.com. The, the in average Joel Embiid averages uh, 23.2 and uh, 9.1 rebounds against Tristan Thompson, which, you know, it's like, for Joel Embiid numbers, that's not too bad. Right. Um, obviously, I, I think it was this year, right, that he had the 42 and 16. Is yeah, that yeah. – yeah. So if the Celtics just thought – like if the Celtics looked at, at those numbers for Thompson and thought, hey, well, we can we can, we can can stomach 23 and 10, you know, from Embiid. Like that, that's perfectly fine. And then Embiid came out and was an MVP candidate and is hitting like 40% of his threes and is just demolishing everyone. At that point, you kind of understand it. And you're like, okay, like – you could have you could have thought like, hey, maybe Joel Embiid will do this, but there was no concrete evidence that he would yet. So yeah, if that's what happened, then like fair enough. But one way or the other, it's uh, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to give your full uh, non <laughs> non taxpayer mid level exception to a guy and then have to get off him, um, you know, by March. Extremely uh, tough. Extremely cool. tough. Yeah, my mind just always goes with this particular rumor. Always goes back to Baines because I don't see. Thompson bringing in any serious value where you're going to get Powell back, where you're going to try to finagle a deal for OG and an OB. Like there's, there's just no way that happens. So I think Baines was the, is the most likely scenario. 
You know what? I'm actually, I, 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 I retract. Dan, like in the 2019-20 season, Embiid had 27 and 16 the first time they matched. So that yeah. the first time they matched up. The second game, he had 14 and four. And the third game, he had three and zero. I, he may really? have, maybe he was injured that game. He must have gotten hurt that game or something. Yeah, um, that's wild. <laughs> but like, but realistically, Embiid had never scored 30 points against Tristan Thompson before this year. This yeah. year, the two matchups, 42 and 10 and 38 and 11. So this is a sharp change for the worse. <laughs> this is a hefty change for the worse. So actually, yeah. I will I will give the Celtics credit for that one. Like if you <laughs> thought that, and actually that's an interesting thing to consider too, because if Embiid is doing that to guys who used to like do pretty well against him, uh, what, what's, what's Aaron Bain's going to do? Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Aaron no, Bain's totally not true. Peak of his career, and Joel Embiid no. certainly is. So yeah. yeah, they're moving in opposite directions. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, yeah. percent. That being said, I mean at least at least yeah, I mean obviously Baines is Justin Thompson. It's not a small man, and uh, Aaron Baines is bigger. Um, <laughs> there would true. be at least Very that. True. But just any anything else that you wanted to react to today? Um, no, I think. From a Celtics perspective, I think we covered most of it. I think I think as time has gone on here and the market evolves, we mentioned it before, but the Magic players just seem to be decreasing in value in my mind. Like when this initially started, I thought Aaron Gordon was one of the best options. And I still think he's a good option for the Celtics. I just think there's much better scenarios out there where they have to give up some serious assets. And I don't think Terrence Ross is a good short-term solution. And I don't think Evan Fournier is like, I don't know. I I just, the one comment I have is, it's funny how at the beginning it was all about the magic guys. And now it seems to be kind of falling off the table a little bit, especially now that Vooch seems like he's like, I mean, it just doesn't seem like he's going to be that available, at least to the Celtics. Yeah. Like, I just don't think the Celtics are going to be able to put together a package. I don't think the Celtics are going to be willing to put together a package that would tempt Orlando on that score, which I think is a good move on their part. I do. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last thing I'll say about like Aaron Gordon, Gordon versus Harrison Barnes is Aaron Gordon is obviously a lot younger, but I, mm-hmm. I guess if you think like three years from now, who do you think is going to be a better player? Like Harrison Barnes or Aaron Gordon? Cause I'm not sure it's clear cut, you know, e- e- even if like Aaron Gordon, you know, like fits the Celtics timeline a little right. better, like Barnes, like I feel pretty confident he's going to be a good shooter. I feel pretty confident. He's going to kind of, I mean, he's been kind of the same player um, yeah. ever since he left golden state, ever since he got a bigger role, he's just kind of been who he is. And like, that's a, a perfectly reasonable, solid player. And I just, We've seen Aaron Gordon do some things, but I'm not sure we've seen him be a winning player yet. And I feel like the Celtics could use like, you know, and even that isn't entirely fair because Harrison Barnes was a winning player when he was with the Golden State Warriors, like sure. Steph Curry, <laughs> Thompson. But at least he's kind of experienced that. And no, I totally agree. I think it's valid. My first reaction to that would be, I think Gordon is probably going to be the better player just because I worry about guys as they get toward where Barnes is going to be at the later stage of his contract. That being said, I think he's a guy that isn't going to have to adjust his game all that much as he ages. And a lot of times that's the difficulty as guys get to the later portions of their career. So you're hundred percent right. Like he's still going to be a pretty effective player at the end of that contract and probably a couple years beyond that. So it's a closer race than a lot of people probably think it is between the two of those guys. Yeah. I think that's fair. All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, please hit up Nicole Yang who couldn't join us for this podcast because the Patriots are making a bunch of moves. Make sure, make sure to flood Nicole's inbox with complaints about the Gito time podcast. And we will talk to you all again soon. Nobody builds 5g like Verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5g, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network.
Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.